I too am like a numpty because I am also always cold and stupid. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Melissa. And I'm Gwen. And we are Teen Squee. This is the podcast where we spill the tea about the things that make us squee. Mm-hmm. And today we are talking about Carry On. Yes, 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 yes! We <laughs> literally, we wrote a whole list of topics we want to cover. And this one is one I know we've been, like, so excited to cover for a hot secie. This is legit my favorite book. It's so... <laughs> It's so good, and I'm so mad. It took me so long to read it. I am so pumped. Uh, so, a little bit about Carry On. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Carry On is a book that was written by Rainbow Rell. Uh, and this book is the story of Simon Snow, who is the worst chosen one to ever be chosen, <laughs> in the words of his roommate, Tyrannus Basilton Grim Pitt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Simon has been tasked with saving the world of mages, but he doesn't freaking know how. He just knows that his roommate, Baz, who is a vampire, he thinks, is up to something. He thinks. <laughs> What's cool about this book is that it is actually a manuscript of a fan fiction from one of Rainbow Rowell's other books. She wrote a book called Fangirl, and in that book, uh, the main character, Kath, uses fan fiction as a way to cope with her social anxiety. And the fanfic she writes in that novel is called Carry On. And so Carry On the Novel by Rainbow Rowell is just the transcript of the fanfic Carry On by Kath from Rainbow Rell's other novel, Fangirl. Mm-hmm. That's How's that for Inception? It's so funky and weird, and that's something I thought about while rereading it. Like, I was reading the characters, and particularly with Agatha, I thought about this a lot. I was like, okay, so I'm thinking about this in the context, in the scheme of the fangirl universe. So I'm wondering what these characters were really like in the Simon Snow series, even though they are their own series now. It was a weird, trippy inception moment for my brain. Right. I've chosen to just accept this as the real canon of the Simon Snow universe because this is all I have to go on. Uh, anything that may have been canon in the universe of Fangirl is no more. Yeah. Because these books are superior to anything that <laughs> Gemma T. Leslie, I think, is the, the name of the fake author who wrote the Simon Snow books in Fangirl. Anything Gemma T. Leslie wrote couldn't be nearly as amazing as what Rainbow Rell has put in these pages. So This is very true. And I, that's also the conclusion I came to. I was like, you know what? Who fucking cares? This is what I have, and this is pretty freaking great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I have a whole Simon Snow appreciation monologue <laughs> ready to and give us... Give us the monologue, Alyssa. Okay, guys, especially with the way Gwen talks about Carry On, 
and Baz, I totally thought I was going to go into this series and be like, Baz is the light of my life. I love him. And while I do very much adore Baz, I have a very special place in my heart for Simon Snow, the literal embodiment of a golden retriever. I love him so much. He is my favorite character because he's just so well-meaning and stupid, and I find that really endearing for some reason. I'm like, ah, yes, you're kind of dumb and you eat a lot of food and you're perpetually idiotic and brave. I want that one. Let me keep him, please. He is my little lamb. I adore him so much. I think I have a thing also where I like the snarky characters, but I'm more... My favorites always end up being the main character. I'm a main character bitch, apparently, for some <laughs> fucking reason. I just... I would literally protect him with my entire life. I would give my life for my sunflower boy. I love him more than anything, and I will fight. He's actually a rosebud boy, Alyssa. Oh, shit, he is. He is. <laughs> Simon's dead mother calls him her rosebud boy throughout this novel. And it's one of the saddest plot points, uh, which we will discuss in a little bit after we discuss how I am completely and totally in love with Tiernus Basilton Grimpit. <laughs> and he will never love me back, not only because he is fictional, but also because he is a raging homosexual. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like Rainbow Rell took all of the things that I love about the fan fiction version of Draco Malfoy and said, let's make him a tall, dark, and handsome vampire mm -hmm. and also make him gay. Yeah. And we're just going to let Gwen read this, which was a mistake because now I love him. Um <laughs> You can't see, Alyssa can see me clutching my book and hugging it to my chest. I love this book. I love these characters so much, y'all, but Baz is my favorite. He is the sweetest little marshmallow boy, mm -hmm. and he must be protected at all costs. When Baz feels pain, I feel pain. And Baz feels pain a lot. He is, an... he is a tortured soul. He is an angsty boy. So I read these books. And it's just constant screaming, essentially. <laughs> Gwen just feels all the pain all the time, but it's the best kind of pain, I guess. I The first time I read this book, I, well, I don't know, it was maybe 2015. I don't remember when this was originally published. I'm going to look in the copyright page. Yep, okay, so it was published in 2015. That's I first read it in 2015, and since then it's been six years, and I have reread this book at least twice a year. Good. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it is, it's, it's not like a comfort book, but also it kind of is. Like, there's a good amount of dramatic action that makes me, like, clutch my pearls in fear for the boys. But also, I love it because it just feels like a nice warm hug, and I, I love watching them fall in love. It's my favorite oh, thing. It is so totally a comfort book, though. <laughs> it is 517 pages mm -hmm. of just pure comfort and pure squee. Yes. And... My thing about it is that, like, every time I read it, it, I've read it at least 10 times at this point, but I still 
every time at the same points in the book want to throw the book across the room <laughs> or I'll sit there and I'll be so excited that I can't contain all of the energy in my limbs and my <laughs> limbs will just flail all over because I'm squeeing so hard about yes. what's going yes. on. Ah, this is my favorite love story. <laughs> Chapter 61, we are looking at you. Oh my but, god! But also, <laughs> as much as I love chapter 61, and we'll explain to you what chapter 61 <laughs> is in a little bit, y'all. Just hold on tight. I love chapter 61, but my I think two of my favorite Snowbaz moments. Mm-hmm. Snowbaz, by the way, <laughs> is the Simon Snow slash Basilton Grimpitch ship. It is canon. Mm-hmm. Snowbaz is my OTP. I love them with all my being. Yes. But two of my favorite Snowbaz moments from this first book are the dragon. Oh, yes. And Baz, you're wearing jeans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Simon cannot comprehend the feelings he has no, when he sees he his roommate in jeans. And he really doesn't. He's just like, what? What? That is Simon Snow perpetually with Baz. Yes, honestly, perpetually. Because for the first (laughs) 150 pages of this book, Baz is fucking M-I-A. He is missing. And Simon spends the first 150 pages of this book just ranting about how Baz must be plotting something and just reminiscing about all of his memories with Baz. And he talks about them with mm-hmm. such, like, intimacy, emotionally. And like, he, he literally practices his sword fighting on Baz's side of their bedroom mm-hmm. because he knows Baz hates it. And he's hoping that by doing something that Baz hates, maybe Baz will just appear yeah. out of the woodwork. It's made me fucking laugh the first time I read it. I was like, Simon, you are literally obsessed with your roommates. You're like, where is Baz? Pen, where is Baz? I don't know where he is. He's off there plotting my demise. And I'm like, okay, or you're just literally in love with him and you just are worried that he's not at school. And Penelope's like, yeah, Simon, whatever. He's not here. Who fucking cares? And Simon's like, Penelope, no! by the way, Penelope, by the way, is Simon's best friend. Mm-hmm. She is kind of like your Hermione Granger archetype. Yes. But she's not Hermione Granger. Yes. They're very different. And I think when I read this the first time, I really expected Penelope to be my favorite character outside of the Mm -hmm. two main boys because she's like Hermione. And I spent my childhood like adoring Hermione Granger and like being the smart one. But I don't know. It's not that Penelope's great and all. She just didn't end up being my other favorite character for whatever reason. My other favorite character, I think, is honestly Agatha. I think so, too. Um, Or Eb. Uh, I love Eb. I love her so much. Which, all of my heart. But, like, in terms of characters that we continue to see after this book, like, main characters in this series, Agatha, I think, is my number two. Because mm-hmm. she is just she is honestly a feminist icon. She I is. love her. I love her. I love her so much. She is such a uh what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know the word I'm looking <laughs> for, but she takes the whole like princess, like mm-hmm. beautiful girlfriend of the chosen one narrative and completely flips it on its head. Yes. Uh hold on. I have a dog eared passage here. Yes. yes. Perfect. I open to the right one. So 
throughout this book, we the whole thing is told in first person, but from various characters' mm-hmm. perspectives. So at the beginning of each chapter, you will uh, see the name of a character, and then that chapter will be told in first person from that character's perspective. And the first chapter we see, hear from Agatha is chapter 13, and it's just two pages, and it happens just after she sees Simon for the first time uh, when they start their final year at Watford School of Magics, which is the magic school they all attend. In case it wasn't clear, all of these characters are mages. They yes. all have magic. They're all magicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and Baz is also a vampire. He's special. So <laughs> <laughs> He's special for the worst possible he reasons, really and is. we will talk about it as soon as I'm done talking about Agatha, okay? <laughs> we will talk about our poor little vampire boy, okay? Um, <laughs> but uh, Agatha, who had been Simon's girlfriend since their fourth year, I think, yeah. and now it's their seventh year, um, Simon had caught her out in the wood, out in the forest with Baz, just before the school year ended the year before. And this is the first time they're seeing each other since it happened, and Simon is like, hey, you know... Don't worry about it. It was months ago. I'm not upset about it. Uh, I just am really happy to see you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm happy to see you too. And we get this chapter from her perspective, and it's only two pages. And the whole thing is about, like, um, I don't know how to give Simon what he needs. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to be a part of this fight to save the world of mages i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing other than being pretty Mm -hmm. and i guess if that's the only thing i can do uh she literally says if that's the case i may as well stand by simon shouldn't i if that's where he wants me if that's where everyone expects me to be if it's the only place i can make any difference Mm. so she starts the book there yeah and by the end of the book, she flees the world of mm-hmm. mages and moves to America to attend college mm-hmm. because she doesn't want anything to do with the world that treated her like a pawn. Yes. And I think it's so cool because she mm-hmm. is your kind of classic girly she girl is. archetype. Her favorite color is pink. She loves doing her hair and makeup Mm -hmm. she loves going shopping with her normal friends she is a girly girl but she is also not going to let her fate be dictated by a world that just wants to use her as a pretty face and a pawn she's like even if i am just a pretty face how am i ever going to know if i'm anything more unless i am given the chance to find it out Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to get that chance here so deuces i'm going to america (laughs) And that's so brave of her. Like, the other characters are, like, your typical fantasy novel type of brave. Agatha is, like, a beautiful, refreshing type of brave where she leaves this universe, this world. She has been part of her entire life. And she's like, you know what? This has been thrown on me my entire life. Everybody's expecting me to be something. This this prize for the hero to win at the end of the story. And I don't want to be that. So, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'm leaving. I don't want to be a mage really anyways. I just want to go to the mall with my normal friends. And that's so... I've literally never seen another character in a fantasy novel, like, have that kind of mindset where they're like, I'd rather be with my normal friends. Like, this world is so, like, built up on, like, this 
like high expectation, I guess, and high standard. And she was like, I don't want this. So fuck it. Bye. Mm-hmm. And Agatha actually undergoes even more character development mm-hmm. in the second book in this series. But we aren't going to talk about it right now because I foresee this having to be a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So we will talk about the second book at a later date. Yes. Do we want to talk a little bit about the plot of this book? Yes, I do. Oh, I feel like I should make a spoiler alert warning right here, right now, before any of you guys continue further in. This episode is riddled with spoilies, so if you don't- It already has been. (laughs) You've already been spoiled so aggressively. I'm so sorry we didn't warn you sooner, but honestly, aren't you- to know that Simon and Baz get together? Like, isn't that just a weight off your shoulder to go and to carry on just knowing this? I think so, personally. (laughs) It's not, though, because even though I knew they were in love with each other, after the first time I read this book, like, there are times when I go back to reread this book and I skip the first 150 pages (laughs) because I'm like, if Baz isn't there and it isn't angsty and love-ridden, I don't want, I don't want it. So I'll skip the first 150 pages. Like, I was rereading uh, parts of the book to prepare for this mm-hmm. episode over the last week. And I'm rereading the first 150 pages. I'm like, I don't remember that this happened. I've read this book 10 times. And I don't remember things that happened in the first 150 pages because I'm blind to anything that doesn't include Baz. Yep, that's fair. <laughs> I I was the opposite where I was like, I'm going to read the 150 pages with just Simon being pissed that Baz isn't there and I'm going to be screaming at my paperback, you love him it's because you love him just admit it to yourself you stupid beautiful boy as Simon in the first chapter is riding the train to Watford, he goes through a list in his head about all of the things he misses Mm -hmm. about Watford and he goes on a rant about Baz And how graceful and beautiful he is when he plays soccer and when he does everything. Yeah. He's like, oh, Baz is so graceful. Of course he's always graceful and beautiful. And why is he always like this? Mm -hmm. And, like, it's, it's fine to recognize that other men are graceful and beautiful. But, Simon, I'm detecting rage. Yeah. That is misplaced. Yeah, I'm like, I feel like <laughs> you are projecting a little bit and you need to take a peek inside your brain. I know you don't go with your brain too often. You go with your gut and I love you for it. But hun, mm-hmm. let's reflect a little bit what's going on up there. All right. So the plot of this book, just real quick, I'm going to try to explain <laughs> it in like 30 seconds or less. It's going to be real hard. Okay. So. Simon snowboards the train to Watford. He's going back for his seventh and final year. He is the chosen one. The, what, what's the term they use for him? The, like, greatest mage or something yeah, like, like that? Yeah, greatest mage of all time. The mage's heir, all that fun yeah. jazz. So he is on his way to his seventh year at Watford. He is in charge of saving the world from the insidious humdrum, which is a force that has been sucking up all of the magic across the UK. Uh, So it has been leaving, quote-unquote, dead spots where magicians are no longer able to practice magic because there just isn't the connectivity for magic to happen in that Mm -hmm. space anymore. 
Um, and so Simon's in charge of destroying the insidious humdrum and saving the world of mages. He's been tasked with this by the headmaster of his school. His name is The Mage, capital T, capital M. But his real name is David, or Davy, as his friends called him in school. Uh, he has, since he took control of the school, like, 17 years ago, he has opened the doors of Watford School of Magics to include anyone who is born with the gift of magic. So not only humans who can speak, but pixies, fairies, there's a centaur in one of the years under Agatha and Penelope and Simon and Baz. Um, but anyone who can speak magic is welcomed into Watford, which had not been the case uh, before the mage took power. Oh gosh, that's so much all that at once. So okay. Much. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, they kind of throw you in, like you were in Simon's last year at school. Mm -hmm. So Raymond mm -hmm. Rell is like, you are being plopped in essentially this already world-built universe, essentially. Like the, it's like if you were reading Harry Potter and it's like Half-Blood Prince and you just get dropped in all of a sudden. So Simon shows up for his final year. Lots of crazy stuff has happened in the last six years. He and Penny are talking about what they're going to do with their final year. What are they going to do to beat the humdrum? Because Penny is like his right-hand man or right-hand woman, mm -hmm. as the case may be. The mage is trying to convince Simon to go away where it's safe because he wants to protect Simon. Simon says, no, it's my last year and I want to be here with my friends. Baz is missing. Simon can't figure out why. He's sure Baz is plotting something to overthrow the mage because Baz's family hates the mage. Uh, Baz's mother had been the headmaster before the mage, but then she died tragically in a vampire attack on the school, which coincidentally is what turned Baz. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> oh my god, okay. Simon tries to find clues as to why Baz is missing. He can't find anything. Suddenly, Baz shows up. Baz has been or had been kidnapped by numpties, which are essentially like trolls, and had been kept in a coffin and fed nothing but blood for months. He is sick. He is upset. He is lonely. He finally gets home to Watford. He goes to sleep in his and Simon's room for the first night all year, and he says the words, I'm home, and he falls asleep, and it's the sweetest shit I've ever read. Okay? <laughs> While this is all going on, it is a visiting year. The veil between the living world and the dead world is thinning. And so people from the past, people who have died, uh, their spirits are able to visit their living relatives to deliver messages, uh, say hi, bestow gifts, that kind of thing. Simon is visited by Baz's mother while Baz is missing and is given a message by Baz's mother to find her killer. Simon is also visited by another female presence. That is his mother, but he never figures it out. She cannot take physical form as a spirit, and so all he hears is her voice, and he thinks that it's still Baz's mom. And it's the saddest thing ever. Especially because you don't fucking realize it until you read it the second time. Oh no, I figured it out right away. Oh, I did not. I had no... Literally... Everything revolving around Lucy, all of her chapters, did not make sense to me until I reread the book the second time. Because I used to just skim through them. Because I was like, I don't know who this person is. I just want to get to Simon pining. Boop, 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 boop. Which is my fault. My mistake for being impatient. Because it's really I, beautiful. <laughs> I didn't know who Lucy was 
until I figured out her connection with the mage, mm-hmm. which happens pretty early. It's like one of her first chapters. She talks about Daisy. Yeah. And at that point, I had already been wondering whether or not Simon was the mage's son. Spoiler alert, he <laughs> is. And the mage doesn't give a fuck. Nope. Mage fucking and sucks. Simon was conceived to be a weapon and then <laughs> was born to be a weapon and then was raised to be a weapon and the mage has small moments where you think that he is going to actually care about simon Mm -hmm. but all he cares about is his greater purpose which is essentially just power the mage wants power and so he tricks lucy into loving him and having a baby with him which kills her and then puts that baby in an orphanage and grooms that child that is Simon Snow. From the moment he arrives at Watford, he is groomed to be the ultimate weapon in the mage's mad grab for power. And it is the saddest thing. And Simon literally never finds out. So he's like, the mage is the closest thing I've ever had to family. And you sit there and... And when you find out, you're like, because he's your dad, and you think by the end of the book, it's going to be revealed, and then it never is. And Simon Mm -hmm. just thinks his parents abandoned him, essentially, that he's never really had a family outside Mm -hmm. of, like, his chosen family, which is really fucking sad. But anyway, long story short, Baz and Simon make an agreement to have a truce so they can do as Baz's mother asked and find her killer. Along the way, uh, Simon realizes that he's in love with Baz. Baz has always known that he's in love with Simon. They get together, and in the end, they defeat the the insidious humdrum. The mage is killed Mm -hmm. in the process, and Simon has wings. Yeah. At the end. Yeah, And that's the end of the book. Yes. Basically, (laughs) yes. It's a wild fucking ride, you guys. So much mm-hmm. happens. You are... The thing, like, there's so many, like, little plot twists that, like, I definitely did not see coming. I did not see that end-of-the-book-coming twist with Simon a million miles away. And there's some lines he says earlier on after reading the second time. I was like, oh, I see you, Rainbow Rowell. I know what you have planned for my boy. I didn't notice this the first time. Oh, also, Baz's mother's killer was the mage. Yeah. He sent vampires to Watford to kill Baz's mother. So he could be, yeah. So he could seize power. So the mage is the reason that Simon exists. He is the reason that Simon explodes when he tries to do magic Mm -hmm. because he has too much magic in him. So he's not able to control it properly. And he's the reason Baz is a vampire. And also the reason Baz got kidnapped by Numpties because he was trying to get rid of him. Mm-hmm, because he knew that Natasha would come back through the veil and talk to Baz and he didn't want her to. Nope. Joke's on you, dick. <laughs> Your son betrays you. Yee. Because you have never done anything other than use him. Mm-hmm. Like, the mage is a piece of fucking shit. 
I hate that man. I yep. hate him more than I hate Dumbledore. Oh, same. I was thinking about that, too, as I wrote my notes. I was like, you know what? The mage is a way worse character than Dumbledore is. Mm-hmm. Like, he... Dumbledore's, like, logic is and morality is sort of skewed, and he thinks what he's doing is right, and granted, I guess the mage thinks the same way, but, like, the mage is so fucking power-hungry that he only sees his own, like, selfish wants and doesn't consider mm-hmm. anybody else. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, like, Lucy in her chapters talks about about when he was just Davy, mm-hmm. when they were in school. He would talk about how, you know, like, the only reason he was allowed to come to Watford is because he was more powerful than any of his ancestors had been. Mm-hmm. He was the first person in his family to attend Watford because he was the first one who was powerful enough because Watford previously had only been open to human magicians who were powerful. And so he wanted to change that and make it so that anyone who could speak magic would be allowed to learn Mm -hmm. at Watford. And you you read that and you think that's a noble goal. Mm -hmm. And then along the way, he became so obsessed with the idea of changing everything and revolutionizing everything that it became an obsession with power. Yep. And he became very, very power-hungry. And I wrote a note of when I was rereading it that I thought it was weird that he got rid of all of the magical books in the library. That, like, that should have been a big red flag to me early on. When, like, it's either Penelope or Simon who makes, like, the comment about how there's only human books in the library. And to me, I was like, oh, that's really weird. Like, you'd think magicians would want to that kind of thing and i feel like the mage just got rid of all the magical books because he didn't want anybody else becoming more powerful than him he also goes around to the homes of all of the old families all of the uh families who for generations have had magicians who have attended watford so families like the grim pitches like baz's family families like penelope's Mm -hmm. family Uh, He goes around and he confiscates all of their magical artifacts, all of their magical books, everything that would give them knowledge and more understanding of their magic because he wants them to be powerless. Basically, nobody can be more powerful than him. And he's most of the chapters we get with the mage is him trying to figure out a way to like control Simon's power. And initially, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, he just doesn't want Simon to go off anymore. But and. Like, later on, I'm like, no, he wants to figure out a way to, like, take that power and use it himself, essentially. Uh, the first chapter we get from the major's perspective, I have everything bookmarked, y'all. I, I came ready. The lit major in me was ready. I have notes in my margins. I'm ready to go. But the first chapter we get from the major's perspective is ma- chapter 10, and... Uh, This is just after he's tried to convince Simon to go away Mm -hmm. somewhere safe Mm -hmm. to train. And he says, I promised to take care of him. How do you keep a promise like that, to take care of a child, when the child is the greatest power you know? And then it ends with, I could hide Simon from the humdrum itself. I could hide him from everything he isn't ready to face. I could, I should, I should order him to go away. He'd still do it. He'd still listen to me. But what if he didn't? Simon Snow, would I lose you completely? And that was, like, the first moment where I was like, oh, shit. 
is the mage, Simon's dad. Mm-hmm. And that first chapter, you're like, okay, this dude is, like, morally gray and maybe doesn't have the best, you know, ideas about how to take care of this child. Because, obviously, you know he abandoned his son in an orphanage kind of thing. But you think, okay, maybe he does genuinely care about Simon. No. Maybe he does. But no. (laughs) He doesn't. It's like he says, how do you keep a promise like that to take care of a child when the child is the greatest power you know? Well, it's literally your child, so maybe mm-hmm. actually act like a fucking parent and take care of your child and not just drop them off at orphanages each summer. Take some responsibility. But the thing is that Simon has always been about power for him. Yeah. You learn through Lucy's chapters, she talks about what it was like to fall in love with Davy. And what it was like to marry him and to have Simon, to conceive him and then give birth to him and be pregnant with him and all of it. And how much she loved Davy and how much she loved Simon. Mm-hmm. And the from the moment that Davy suggests they should have a baby, it's because he wants to produce the greatest mage. Yep. He doesn't want to have a child because he loves her. And Lucy knows that. Mm-hmm. And she's hoping that if they have this baby, maybe it'll save their relationship. Oh. Maybe Davy just needs something of himself to love. And so if they have this baby, they can be a happy family. She just knows it. But it's only ever been about power for him. Yeah. Which is so sad, especially reading that chapter of hers like when she's talking about like the process they went through to have the baby and she's just so giddy and excited to do this and he is like serious he's like he is here to make a baby but also he he's not here to make a baby he's here to make a weapon mhm and oh and that's like the reason Simon is the way he is is because Simon is not supposed to be like that he's not a mistake but like that's what happened when happens when too much magic is poured into something. Like, Davy and Lucy both gave a good chunk of magic to create Simon. And that's why Simon goes off. Many parts of this book make me cry. Many, many parts of this book make me cry. One of the parts that makes me cry the most is, at the end, the mage becomes absolutely unhinged. Mm-hmm. He sees that his plot is failing uh he understands that simon's not at his beck and call anymore it's time for him to take power and he's decided that the only way to make everything right again is to kill simon and take his power even though that's not how that shit works but yeah okay and he tries to kill agatha Mm -hmm. in his place and agatha is saved by eb the goat herd who is the only mother figure that Simon has ever known. Mm -hmm. And Eb is an incredibly powerful magician, one of the most powerful in the last century. And she just didn't want to do anything with it, and so she became a goat herd at the school. Natasha Grimpich, Baz's mom, was like, you don't want to do anything? That's fine. But I would like you to stay and work at the school and just hang out with the goats. Use your magic with them. Mm-hmm. Do what you feel called to do. So, Eb it has been a goat herd for years. And she, using her great power, saves Agatha 
and then has to give her own life. She is killed by the mage. And chapter 81 is told back and forth between Eb's perspective and the mage's. Mm -hmm. And it starts with Eb saying, he would have killed that girl. I don't suppose I had a choice but to come back. Her sections continue, I don't suppose I ever had the choices I thought I did. I'm out of practice. I was never in practice with spells like this. I know ten spells to turn water into whiskey, and I can bring the goats in with a turn of a phrase. But I never saw the point in all this. The mage swings back into the ground like he's made of rubber, then picks himself up sighing. I decide the mage must be right, even though he talks like a madman. I decide this is for the best. This is for a reason. I hope that someone remembers to bring the nannies home. And I sob. Oh, it hurts. Uh, all Eb wanted to do was to see her twin brother again, too. Mm-hmm. That's literally it. And you find out that the person Natasha um, tells Simon to find is actually Eb's twin brother, who is turning mm-hmm. to a vampire. And was then shunned by the mages, because they don't like vampires. So if you're a vampire, you're kind of fucked. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of ostracized then from your family. So Eb wasn't ever able to see her brother again. Otherwise, she in turn would be like banished from the Society of Mages. This book is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Everything about the ending of that book literally claws at my heartstrings. It hurts mm-hmm. so much. So let's talk about some squee, some squee-worthy shit. Yes. Everything with Simon and Baz. Everything. Okay, guys, when I first read this book, I did not expect to have to wait like 20 fucking nine chapters before Baz shows up. I was like, where is he? Where's my boy? I would like to talk about one of the flashbacks that we get in uh, those first like 29 chapters from Simon. And he talks about... Uh, in their sixth year when he confronted Baz in the catacombs. Yes. And Baz is drunk. Uh-huh. And he's like, I know what you are, Baz. You're a vampire. <laughs> and Baz is like, oh, am I now? And he says, uh, uh, I don't think I'm in the mood to suck your blood. What if I accidentally turned you? Then I'd be stuck with your pious face forever. Baz shook his head and took another pull at his flask. I don't think undeath would improve you, Snow. It would just ruin your complexion. He giggled again, mirthlessly, and closed his eyes like he was exhausted. And the first time you read it, you're like, damn, this kid is snarky. And then the second time you read it, it's like, oh my god, he wants to be stuck with Simon forever. Uh, It would ruin his complexion because Spaz loves that Simon's complexion is like the colors of strawberries and cream. The reason he keeps drinking, the reason he looks like he's so done with everything is because he is, because he's never going to be able to love you, Simon, and you're never going to love him back. It's literally, that's like when they finally kiss, when Baz literally tries lighting himself on fire because he's just that done. Simon's like, I can't let you set yourself on fire. And, and, and then that's the best fucking part of the book because we just go back and forth and back and forth. And then Baz is like, I'm going to kiss him. I think I want to kiss him. And then suddenly it's like, Simon Snow kisses me. And I'm like, 
chapters for that kiss waiting forever since I'm hopelessly in love with him. Literally, okay, so that's chapter 61 mm -hmm. is the chapter where we get our first Nobaz kiss. The chapter before that ends with them in a burning forest mm -hmm. that Baz has set on fire because he wants to die. Chapter 60 ends with, from Simon's perspective, I see the fire flickering in his eyes, which means it must be all around us. I won't, I say. I've never turned my back on you, and I'm not starting now. And what he means is that he's never turned his back on Baz because Baz could always attack him, mm -hmm. and he doesn't want to, like, turn his back and be stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> but in this situation, he means that he is going to be there for his new buddy, and then it very quickly becomes his new boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that when they just kiss. They spend the whole night kissing and one of my favorite simon lines is like he's like i didn't realize i could like solve all my problems by kissing but it seems to work on baz or something like that <laughs> oh i love cocky simon i love baz just melting when simon touches him it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and simon fucking loves it he loves having baz under his thumb and it's the most mm -hmm. magical shit out here that's the thing is like Simon is the embodiment of a golden retriever, mm -hmm. but Baz is the soft one in their yeah. relationship. Yeah. That's the thing. It's so like, cool. Oh, I love seeing Baz is such a simp for Simon, and I am such a simp for their relationship. I Yeah, I was going to say, I, I am like Baz. I, too, am a simp for Simon Snow. I'm like, yeah, bitch, I feel you. I would also murder for this person, this boy, this perfect little mage human being. I would like to talk about one of my favorite romantic passages in the entirety of ever. Yes, please. Baz describes his love for Simon in this book. And he says, Simon Snow, you were the sun and I was crashing into you. I'd wake up every morning and tell myself this will end in flames. <sighs> Ugh! Guys! This is the most enemies to lovers shit out there. It's, first of all, what a good trope. My favorite trope. And then apply to this situation where it's just pining and pining and Baz has been in love with him for years. And you're like, oh my god, I thought he hated him, but no. And this is legit enemies to lovers, mm -hmm. too. It's not animosity to lovers. It's not, like, rivals to lovers. They legit tried to kill each other yeah. multiple times. Yep. <laughs> set, Baz set, set a Chimera after Simon and tried to... Chimera. Chimera. After Simon and tried to fucking kill him with it. Like, that's fucking enemy shit right there. Ah! And, like... <laughs> When they after they kiss and they're at Baz's house and Simon's like, oh, things have changed now. And Baz is like, no, they haven't. Simon's very much the first one to flip and Baz is like, I'm still gonna have to fight you one day. And Simon's like, I'm not, I'm not fighting you. Things are different now. Like, why won't you say things are different now? I like it yeah. when you call me Simon. Yeah, because like, if if we haven't made it clear yet, uh, Simon is being used as a pawn in the mages game, mm -hmm. but Baz is being used as a pawn in the old families game. Yeah. So his family and all of the other old magic families are using him as a pawn. It's kind of like if Drary, Draco slash Harry was canon, mm -hmm. that's kind of what this is, but yeah. it's better. Yeah, yeah. You're right, but yeah, this is so much better. So much better mm -hmm. than Drary. 
<laughs> I have never read a dreary fic that makes my heart go pitter pat the way that Carry On does. And trust me, I've read many a dreary fic. Hella, hella. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think that's also one of my favorite parts of Carry On is we are experiencing like their budding and beautiful relationship where they just can't keep their hands off each other. And they're mm-hmm. so in love and it's beautiful and everything is pure and sunshine and it makes me want to explode. And then the end of the book just fucking crushes you. But at least they're together, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The book ends with them being together. The mage dies and Simon has to go to uh, magical therapy to sort mm-hmm. of figure out what's going on. But he and Baz are still very much together. They are boyfriends. Simon is living in a flat with Penny. Mm -hmm. And Baz is over all the time. And they're all friends. And it's it's beautiful. It's so cute. I love it. It's an ending that is... Like, you've recognized all of this horrible stuff that has just happened. But the ending gives you so much hope for growth. And for processing. Mm -hmm. And for... Uh, you know, moving on, and it makes me really happy. It's really beautiful, especially, like, usually the end of, like, the Chosen One narrative is the happy ending, and we don't see any of, like, how the past trauma and, like, the very bad things that just happened have affected them. Like, this mm-hmm. is so different in that sense, and that's essentially what um, Wayward Son is, is, like, what happens after the chosen one story ends but like you see a little tidbit of it at the very end of carry on and you're just like wow this is really beautiful we are watching them these three characters who have gone through so much and like dealt with so much bullshit like start to come back from it start to carry on from it if you will and it's (laughs) it's beautiful i love this book i love this book oh I want to talk about the dragon. (gasps) Yes. Please let me talk about the dragon. Yes. So there's this point um, in early on in the book, Mm -hmm. like in the first half of the book, uh, Baz has just come back from his uh, stay with the numpties, his involuntary stay with the numpties. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) (laughs) the humdrum sends a dragon to Watford to attack the school. And Simon summons his sword and goes to fight the dragon. And Baz is trying to stop him because they aren't malicious creatures. Dragons are actually very gentle creatures. Mm-hmm. And Baz, as what he feels is a monster, he, his whole thing is, I'm a monster. I'm a vampire. I hate myself. I'm a monster. I'm inhuman. I'm undead. Like, I'm, I'm disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, which also stems not only from him being a vampire, but also from the fact that his mother's entire family were vampire hunters. Yeah. And so he's literally, like, the worst possible thing. If her mother, his mother were alive, he's convinced that she would murder him just to save the world from one more vampire. But, um, anyway, Baz is trying to reach Simon and tell him they aren't malicious creatures. It's not trying to hurt anyone. It doesn't know what it's doing. We have to fight it with magic and send it away instead of killing it. We can't kill this dragon. That's cruel. Mm -hmm. And so Baz is trying to cast spells. He's trying to recite Lady Bird Bird Fly Away Home. And 
Simon's watching him and just in awe of like Baz's power and composure and he doesn't he doesn't know why he does it but he puts his hand on Baz's shoulder while Baz is casting and Simon's magic flows through him and into Baz and Baz is able to cast a powerful ladybird spell and send the dragon away and it's so good so cool and the thing is like later in the in that chapter or maybe the next chapter penelope asks simon to do the same thing to her like use her as like kind of a vessel for his magic Mm -hmm. and it burns her essentially Mm -hmm. like because both simon and baz's magic burn have like a kind of flamey like yeah baz is a fire caster he can literally summon fire in his palms yeah so his magic is flame on you know Super mm-hmm. spicy boy. So their magics are magics. I don't think that's a word. Compatible together, and it's so amazing. And that's uh, like the best fucking thing. Is it's like some soulmate level shit. It is, and I love like Simon describing how like majestic Baz looks when he's casting the spells, and he's like, "There's no way that he's powerful enough for this." He's like, "I need to help him. I just need to help him. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna touch you now." Support. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. I wanted to talk about how... Okay, so Carry On is, like, it's very similar to... It's almost like a parody, but not really a parody of the Harry Potter books, you know? It's a very similar, like, narrative. It's a chosen one narrative. It's a chosen one magic school narrative. Yeah. But I like the magic system in Carry On so much more than in the Harry Potter universe because it makes Mm -hmm. so much more sense. Like, we see... The quote in Harry Potter is that words have a lot of magic to them but that quote is fully realized in carry on because literally spells come from like popular phrases and nursery rhymes and the more popular the phrase the more powerful the spell so like linguistically that magic system and words are like fucking hand in hand you cannot have one without the other where the harry potter verse is more so like greek and latin words translated into like Lumos means the light goes on. Where this, mm-hmm. it's like nursery rhymes are the most powerful forms of magic. Like Simon says, Humpty Dumpty can like turn a whole army around with the right mage casting it. And mm-hmm. I just and love it. also, the magicians have to live amongst the normals, mm-hmm. which are the non magical folk, uh, because the normals are what give phrases power, because mm-hmm. they're the ones who are using the phrases all the time. Linguistically, the colloquialisms of any given, like, uh, region are going to mm-hmm. change what magic is effective. Like, in the second book, this isn't super spoilery, yeah. uh, but they go on a road trip in America, mm-hmm. and Baz tries to cast spells that he grew up casting that would work perfectly in the UK, but they don't work in America because Americans aren't using those same phrases. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I love the way that the magic word system works in these books. I think it's great. Same. I think it's so clever to, like, use, like, muse, like really popular songs and the phrases and stuff to, like, get magic to work. And, like, one thing they always try to do is to see, like, which combination of words will make so- the same thing happen. Mm-hmm. And that's, oh, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Like, there's more than one spell for every situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's awesome. And it's not even that it's a spell. It's that the words are what are magic. And you just endow them with magic. Mm -hmm. You give them extra power. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Words have power. We're literally just endowing the words with power. Yes. And it's awesome, especially in, like, those phrases where 
if you stress a certain word, it's going to turn out differently. That's so mm -hmm. clever and smart because like, that's how we speak in the real world, you know, like it's awesome to see that, but like heightened in a magical society. And also, yeah, I love not ostracizing like the mortals from this universe because they have to have the mortals. Otherwise they don't have like a sort of vessel for their magic. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. I haven't felt this way for a book in a very, very long time. Like, you know, that feeling when you're like 13 and you're reading like a, a YA fantasy book for the first time and you just mm -hmm. are squealing with delight at every exciting thing that happens to the characters. That was me reading this book. And it was <laughs> the most amazing feeling because I like, especially after being an English major and theater major all through college, like we read a fuck ton of books and it's mm -hmm. draining as hell. So getting back into reading for fun and you gravitate back to what you used to love as like a little teeny bopper and it's amazing you guys like if you're in a reading slump cannot recommend carry on enough you will devour it oh, this is the most squee worthy book in the entire world you guys cannot stress that enough the only tea i have is that the mage sucks ass and it's not even a hot take. It's not a hot take. It's a very correct and popular take. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for listening to us spill the tea and squee all about Carry On mm -hmm. by Rainbow Rowell. We will also be covering Wayward Son by Rainbow. We will also be covering Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell. Uh, which is the sequel to Carry On, and we'll cover that in a later episode. Um, this will be posted to SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. If you listen to your podcast on iTunes, give us a five-star rating and give us a review. A nice one, please. Don't be mean. We want people to find us. <laughs> you have any longer thoughts or want to connect with us we are on instagram and twitter at t squee or you can send us an email at t and squee at gmail.com that's t the letter n squee at gmail.com uh, if you read the book let us know what you felt about it write us some snowbaz fanfic yes. we love to read it uh <laughs> yes <laughs> Shit. Write us some fic about what would have happened if Natasha Grimpitch had never died. Oh my god, yes. Or if Simon had realized that he was the mage's son. Please, mm -hmm. you guys. I need that angst mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. But don't send us any fic that doesn't end in Simon and Baz getting together. Mm -hmm. We don't want that garbage anywhere yeah. near us. Uh-uh. Don't make them break up because I won't read your fic. Mm -mm. Yep. They are meant to be together <laughs> and I will live in beautiful ignorance. Yep. If Rainbow Rell ever splits them up yep. canonically, or, I will refuse to accept it. Or, God forbid, kills one of them off. No, don't say <laughs> it. The next book is coming out in September. I refuse to accept that one of them might die because you know it's going to be Baz. Oh my God, it would be Baz too. <laughs> Simon's had way too many close calls and Baz has had few to none. Oh no. Don't do this, Rainbow Rowell. I refuse. I will, I will refuse to accept this as a plot point if it happens. Don't do it, Rainbow Rowell. I'm begging you. No. Thank you. We don't need that angst in our lives. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We are Gwen and Alyssa. This podcast is produced and edited by us, and our cover art is by Laker Thrasher. Mm -hmm. Thanks again for hanging out. Yeah, thanks, guys. And we'll, we'll see you all soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.